One of the quotes that is on the wall of my office is by Charles Tremendous Jones. And it goes like this. You'll be the same person in five years that you are today, except for the people you meet and the books that you read. It is on my wall as a reminder that growth is a necessary and essential part of life. After all, a rolling stone gathers no moss, but one that stands still is called a gravestone. Another great quote that inspires me is by Ralph Waldo Emerson. He said that the only person you are destined to become is the person that you decide to be. In 2017, I was tasked with conducting a global audit of training for the mission to seafarers. This was done in part through interviews and through questionnaires. Over 60% of all frontline staff in the mission eventually completed a questionnaire or participated in an interview. The results were presented to the Secretary General, the Regional Directors and the Trustees in London, and I have to say that the report that I completed was a little disturbing. Of those who participated in the study, the average age was 58.7 years, the oldest participant being 73 and the youngest just 20. The longest serving member had completed 41 years of amazing service. The newest had completed 47 days. The average length of service was about 17.9 years and 80% of those who took part in the survey were male and about 20% female. Around 60% were paid and 40% were voluntary. All participants saw the value of ongoing professional development. They felt that gaining skills for the role was essential and over 95% of participants felt that some form of ongoing training was an essential part of safe and professional practice. But here is where it got a bit scary. You see, only 37.8% of participants had received any form of induction or initial training prior to commencing work with the mission, either in full-time or part-time or voluntary capacities. 76.5% of participants said that they received no induction training whatsoever. For those who did receive some form of induction training, it was, on the whole, informal and sporadic. Many received nothing more than a brief handover from their predecessor. One participant said, My induction consisted of two days in a car driving around the port having a chat. It was totally useless and made me feel like maybe I shouldn't have taken the job in the first place. Another participant said that the previous centre manager stayed on for a few days to show me the ropes, but left me feeling more confused than anything. It took me about a year before I felt that I had a handle on things. Only 16% of participants received any form of formal training once they joined the mission. This generally consisted of some form of course like the ICMA induction course or online ship visitor course or training provided at a regional conference. Of those who completed one or more of these courses, 98% believed that they provided them with vital training. 96% of participants who had completed the new online ship visitor course felt that this provided them with a high level of training and felt that it gave them the confidence they needed for the role. However, over 97% of all participants felt that they were ill-equipped for the role at hand and felt that they were putting themselves and the mission at significant risk. 93% felt out of depth when dealing with the personal issues raised by seafarers and 69% of participants said that they lacked training and skills available that made them consider giving up within the first six months. When asked why they stayed, participants overwhelmingly said that they believed in the work of the mission and felt called to it. 23% of participants said that they only stayed because they had developed a key mentoring relationship with their regional director or with another MTS staff member or a volunteer 
who acted as a sounding board for them and provided them with the guidance and direction they needed. Over 90% of participants said that they believed deeply in the work of the mission, but admitted that they had very little understanding of the history of the mission or even why it was established. It's no secret that people who work or volunteer for us are hugely important in the success of our organisation. In a recent article for Forbes magazine, Kevin Lynch, the President and CEO at National Industries for the Blind in the United States, argued that employees are the key to taking any organisation from ordinary to extraordinary, and that investing in their development is paramount to success. In today's episode, we're going to consider the important role of ongoing professional development. We will do this by listening to a conversation that I had the privilege to have this week with someone who is passionate about training and professional development, the Reverend Canon Gary Dodd, Regional Director for the Mission to Seafarers in Australia and Papua New Guinea. So buckle in and join me on the journey as the crow flies. So today I'm joined by another very special guest and a dear friend, uh, Gary Dodd. Gary is the Regional Director for the Mission to Seafarers in Australia and Papua New Guinea. So Gary, welcome to As the Crow Flies. Lance, thank you so much for having me. It's a great honour. Well, I'm really pleased to, to have you here today. And I know that this is a topic that is close to your heart. We're talking today about professional development. And I know that this is something that you do a lot of and you've developed a whole heap of resources. So I think it's really a good conversation to have. So why, why is professional development important? I think professional development is essential because it enables us to have an insight into the things that we aren't privy to. It's hard to know what you don't know. And so professional development gives, um, when it's done well, gives us a structure to dive into the future and be the best prepared chaplain or manager or volunteer or whatever we might be within the maritime industry and, and in um, the mission to seafarers, how we will be able to be the very best of ourselves yep. so that we can provide the best service for seafarers. Excellent. I mean, one of the interesting things, you know, I uh, obviously went to theological college a million years ago, and I often visit some of the people I went to theological college with, and I, I find it fascinating that you can go into people's homes, and it's the books that are on their bookshelves are the books that they bought when they went to theological college, and it's almost like there's nothing been added to what they are doing. And I, I always look at that and go, well, gosh, you know, how have you developed yourself in the intervening years? Obviously, not everyone's interested in use, in books. There's a whole heap of other um, realms. But what, what, are, what are your views as far as, you know, what does professional development look like and how can we engage with it? It's a really good question. Thanks, Lance. Because in most every other profession, there is an expectation of professional development. So if you're a school teacher, a doctor, an accountant, Whatever you might be, even, you know, within the trades, there's still this inert expectation that we might continue to improve ourselves, except when it comes to church. <laughs> and I don't know why, yeah. why that is. You know, we, we're very good at perhaps um, having a, a spiritual director. And so spiritual direction is is a big part of, of many people's worlds. Supervision, again, is another aspect of where we're kind of comfortable in that environment. But we, for whatever reason, don't want to go down a professional development track. 
to enable us to be a, a whole practitioner. What do you think that might be? Well, it's interesting, you know, like from a psychological perspective, it, it kind of is um, like the the blind self. So the Jahara window, if we can just use that as an example, I mean, it would talk about, you know, the bit about me that I know and you know, the open self, and there's the hidden self, the bit that kind of, um, you know, others don't know about me, but I kind of, my, my secrets. We're good at the the unknown self, and that's the part that we might explore in spiritual direction. That's the, the relationship with God and our soul, and, and, and it's also the part that we might explore in supervision, you know, our emotional intelligence or our, our wisdom or advice. But for some reason, we just don't want to enter into that part of me. Uh, that's the blind self. And I wonder if it's because we think that we've, once you get ordained or you're set aside for ministry, that you kind of you've reached, reached the point where you were meant to be. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah. I, 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 I'm really fascinated by the whole Joe Harry window concept. And um, for those who are listening in and who don't know what that is, um, I will certainly put a link in the show notes on uh, the Weebly website so you can track and have a look at that, what that means. Um you want to unpack that a little bit more with regard to how how you see that playing out in your own life? Well, yeah. So when I was in parish ministry, so I was 10 years as a parish priest, um, it just occurred to me that I needed more knowledge and, and expertise in psychology. So I personally, because I'm a really slack reader, like I'm lazy <laughs> when it comes to stuff like that. So I need a structured environment yep. to help me. So I went off and, and, and got a psych degree because I really felt that, you know, to be the best priest I could be and to serve my parishioners and, and the community, I, I needed some of those skills. Right. And, and, and in, in the mission, it's kind of been the same story over again for me, like, you know, recognizing that, you know, my natural ability can take me so far and, and I learn a lot. Like we, we day to day, uh, you get to pick up a lot of information. Um, but as I said at the very beginning of today's talk, we often don't know what we don't know. And professional development provides a structured way into finding out uh, what we're missing. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, um, I was listening to a podcast just the other day, um, which is by a couple of Australians. Uh, it's called um, Castology, and it's around the whole concept of podcasts. And one of the people who was uh, speaking into that um, uh, episode, she was saying that, you know, she used to be a reader, um, but then as she got older, reading became more and more difficult. And so podcasts have been the way that she now engages in in that learning in a different perspective. She she says that she misses books, but because life is so busy, you can you can listen to a podcast in a car or you know in your headphones while you're doing the dishes or something, which you can't do with a book. Um, but books still obviously have some value and some place um, if you are into that sort of learning. But there's there's other there's other varieties of professional development. So so what are some of the other ones that you've engaged with, or some of the ones you've developed? Look, there's lots of names for professional development and and professional development can be as simple as, you know, talking to somebody over a cup of tea and then reflecting on that learning and growing from it. So whether it's 
kind of going to that conference or, or listening to a podcast. I mean, I, I tend to do that. I try to go for a bit of a run a couple of times a week and, and we'll try and listen to a podcast as well, just to try and, you know, what, what, what is that learning that I need for this time? Um, but whether it's being able to pick up a, an industry journal or, or whether it's that kind of one day seminar or whatever it is, so long as um, it's structured, and it provides an avenue for um, growth because it's pointless. You know, we all know about going to conferences and you physically might be there, <laughs> but mentally you're tuned out. Yeah. Um, so really, if it has to happen at a moment where uh, it can be applied and that you somehow have grown from that experience or that learning. Yeah, and there's two couple, two couple of things I want to pick up on what you've just said. One is around the conference junkie, you know, the people that just go from conference to conference to conference <laughs> and, and they come home with that pile of notes which then ends up in a drawer somewhere and they never respond to it or never never reflect on it any further. So there's, that's, there's a risk there. So it's ensuring that if you go on a professional development course, if you go to a conference, if you read a book, if you have that conversation, it's that reflection you know, reflecting on the learning and then integrating the learning into your into your practice. Um, but there was a second part that I was thinking of uh, when you were just talking, um, and that that is the whole thing of you know you, you talked about the Johari window and not knowing what you don't know. You know, is there a is there a um, a place or a case for at the beginning of the year sitting down and saying, okay, what are the gaps in my knowledge? What other things, the targeted things that I should be doing this year to improve? Absolutely. And one of the criticisms of professional development is that often it is poorly considered or thought out. I don't know about you, but I've certainly had that email from the bishop so saying, you know, the next um, clergy training day will be <laughs> the groan. Thing. Oh. <laughs> so for it to be effective, it has to be structured. And that's why, you know, podcasts and online training and and things that are easily available to us and I think COVID has given us that opportunity to kind of search the world and find these opportunities for learning if we want them but unless we have a strategy of formalized um, learning and thinking through what is it that we need for the future uh, it's, it's almost kind of worth, worthless um, quite interestingly, the um, Australian Institute of Company Directors in, in their um, report for not-for-profits two years ago said that the biggest issue for managers, and in our case like chaplains, uh, is not so much finance and practice, it's strategy. Yeah. And if we're not into thinking through, well, what are the strategies? What do we need to where do we need to be at so that we keep pace with the needs of seafarers in the maritime industry? We've basically white anting ourselves for the future. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's about that being very intentional uh, and being very strategic. And, and you know, I, I think about you know, if I think about myself, you know, there are certain things that I just instantly gravitate towards. 
but sometimes those aren't the areas that are the gaps for me. And so there's a sense in which if I just left it to myself, I would obviously just go and do the courses that appeal to me, but actually I may yeah. not identify the gaps. So, you know, do you sit down with your team each year and say, okay, um, you know, what are the areas that you might want to grow in? And do you give some guidance on to that with regard to that strategic um, intent? Well, yeah. So actually I am, uh, with my local team, we have like monthly um, meetings and, and it's like just figuring out how things are going. But, but for the annual one, they always get an opportunity to say, well, what, what are the growth areas that they want for this year? What are the things they're going to do to, to learn and, and how will they develop um, professionally? But I'm always there sort of saying, yeah, and I think perhaps you could be doing <laughs> X, Y and Z as well. Because for me, as their manager, I think I've got a role in sort of saying, hey, you know, the, these are perhaps some areas which um, uh, perhaps future areas that we need to grow into. And, of course, it's no different to if, if you have any structured course, there's always those core subjects and areas. And, and sure, there's those things that you get to choose yourself, but it's those core fundamental things that, you know, the industry or, or the um, professional body are saying that, you know, this is where we need to be at the moment. So, you know, 2020, COVID hits, where do we need to be at the moment? What, what are the things that we need to do to develop uh, in our own professional life to, to move our mission to where it needs to be in 2021 and on? Yeah. So, so it sounds almost like, you know, there's two things going on there. One is around, you know, as you as a manager, having an annual appraisal or a regular appraisal with a staff member and saying, okay, I've identified these areas that may be useful for you to go and consider. So that that's one thing which with, re, with regard to ongoing development. But then there's the, the um, things that happen in the moment, such as a COVID, to say, okay, here's a time to rethink the bigger, broader picture. So... So there's the two things in 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 conjunction there, or or um, what's the word I'm trying to think of that they're, they're in parallel, uh, where you've got the annual appraisal or the regular appraisal to say, okay, what are the gaps that I've identified? What are the gaps that my manager has identified? But then it was also what are the things that are currently uh, important to learn about? Exactly right, and and so it's hard to be able to do that without input from outside and again coming back to to the blind self in the Jahari window like how do I know how to position myself for the future unless I've had outside people uh, providing some of that that stimulus or that catalyst yeah so some of the things like one of my little tricks for example um, you know the the Australian uh, Institute of, of Company Directors has a whole suite of, of free stuff out there. Um, so coming up to, to my last AGM, I Googled, and, you know, what are the 50 top things you need to be thinking about when you sign off on your audited reports? So I read through that, and all of a sudden, my eyes are opened, how I had never considered all of these things, even though I've been in ministry for 20 years and, and, and you know, I've done all this studying and all these things, it was just nice to be refreshed and reminded. Now, that's an example, I think, where professional development needs to be done 
collaboratively. So you need to have some structured way to figure out uh, what what is the industry saying? What what is the way in which I can be a better me? Whether it's a better ship visitor. So you know what was the, when was the last time we went and did um, a ship visitors course? I remember um, having a conversation with, with the late uh, Director of Justice and Advocacy, um, Father Ken Peters, and he told this wonderful story about a, you know, trying to get some, some training happening in, in the United Kingdom. And one guy saying, oh, I've done that all before. I've been ship visiting since you know, I was just a boy. Um, and yet so much had changed in, in, such, in that, that time that they had never once considered that perhaps you know, health and safety and PPE and, and, and all of the bits and pieces that, that are now we, we consider to be everyday practice, um, the importance of those things. Um, so I guess the, the thought is that um, being able to have some broader perspective is crucial for us to grow because really I think professional development is like the foundations of a house. You know, when we do it well, we're learning to be the best of ourselves so that we can be the best for seafarers, that we can have, you know, the, the best provision for them and their needs and their welfare. And, and so if we, if we fail, what we're doing is we're really failing not just the seafarers coming into our ports today, but the future seafarers that will come in tomorrow. Yeah. And so, you know, what I was sort of you know, thinking with regard to what you've just said there is because of the fact that you, we all have encountered uh, in, in a variety of ministry opportunities or a, or a variety of settings, that person that says, oh, I learnt that 25 years ago and I've been doing this for 25 years and no one can tell me anything new. With regard to professional development, there's always that sense that we need the humility to say, maybe there is something I could learn. Maybe, yep, I've done this course before, but maybe if I come and see it with fresh eyes, it might remind me of things that I have forgotten. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And because um, we get caught up, don't we, in the day-to-day and the busyness that, that surrounds us. And so unless we have that structured approach, like you suggested at the beginning of the year, you know, what is it? How am I going to map out the next 12 months and how will I make time to build up my professional development points? Like in in many industries, uh, there's a certain number of professional development points that you have to achieve in a year to stay registered. Um, so we don't do that in, in our industry, do we? But, you know, wouldn't it be good if we were to say, look, you know, we need to have 40 PD points every 12 months. And if, if one hour's study equals one point, that's 40 hours of, of training to, to grow uh, in, our, in our profession. I mean, I just think that that would be uh, fundamentally a, cha- a game changer for us as we move into the future so that we are that professional maritime charity organisation mission that, that we really need to be and what society is kind of demanding of us. Yeah. So so thinking about that with regard to professional development hours per year, what would you see as a benchmark from your perspective? Look, the one that I just suggested, 40 hours, uh, in my mind, is kind of fairly, it, it's it's doable. And and we, we wouldn't balk at going on a, a retreat for a week. 
or, or to you know be asked to to lead a bible study or, or or to participate in that kind of you know none of us would be um considering not doing our sort of 20 odd hours or whatever in in spiritual direction um so 40 hours of 40 points of professional development i actually think is um an industry not for our industry but for many professions would be the minimum yeah so so i know that you've developed some incredible courses uh for the australian council or through the australian council's website and we'll come to that in a minute but i want to talk about your own journey with regard to professional development you mentioned that when you're in parish ministry you identified uh, a need and so you did a, a degree in psychology uh, and i know that recently you've just finished uh um, an MBA, a Master of Business Administration, uh, and you probably have done a whole heap of other stuff. In the sense, we're in a faith-based ministry. You know, the maritime sector that we're involved in and the perspective that we come to in that is from a faith-based perspective. And yet, a psychology degree or an MBA, in some regards, is very, you know, world-focused. How do you reconcile that learning and, and how do you see that learning as being um, applicable and useful in, in the settings that you are finding yourself in? They marry wonderfully well because we actually live in the world, don't we? And and certainly like in my perspective here in Australia, um, I, f- I forget exactly, so don't kind of quote me, but I think there's um, uh, 56,000 charities in Australia. And every year about one and a half thousand get deregistered. But in Australia, the charity industry is growing by 4% every year. So every year there are 4% more charities than the year before, even even after the ones that have been uh, deregistered. So we need to be in the world, just not of the world. And so my faith and, and my belief and my trust in God and it's still as strong as today as it ever has been. Like I don't, you know, God hasn't left the room just because psychology or MBA has has walked in. But what it does for me, Lance, is it gives me um, a a bit more of a clearer perspective or a wider perspective. I mean, are we maximising our charitable status here in, in the state in which I live or in the country in which I'm in? Um, the the lawyers will will sue us equally as quickly as they'll sue any other corporation if we've done the wrong thing. So if I'm not privy to um, you know the WHS laws and rules and regulations in my own backyard, well, I'm I'm setting myself in the ministry in which I serve up for failure if something goes wrong. Um, in the same way, like who who amongst us uh, wouldn't know? The maritime labor convention because it's so critical and yet that's that's not a that's not scripture that's not a, a god thing it's, it's it's a state thing but but we need to know it so that we can do our faith-based practice to the best that we can and so for me learning all of that kind of stuff and as i said i only do it because i'm a really lazy reader <laughs> but but doing that has given me the insights that the industry has, um, you know, what, what, what should a director of a, a company need to know so that he doesn't or she doesn't allow the company to become um, 
insolvent or, or illegal or um, do something wrong that, that at worst could, could kill someone. And I guess doing those courses also gives you a common language so that when you're talking to the CEO of the port or when you are talking to people in the industry, you're talking the same language and you don't come across as some uh, do-gooder, but you actually come across as a professional in the field. That's true. So when I'm talking about supply chains and when I'm talking about sort of return on investment and when all those kinds of words which, you know, the bean counters kind of understand and relate to. <laughs> you know, so that, that, that will be, that'll be the words they'll use in that setting. But of course, you know, I go and I'll preach in a church on, on Sunday and then I'm talking about uh, love and souls and salvation and you know, I'm talking about, you know, people's interaction with, with, with God incarnate and, and the, the words and, and the life of Christ in and through the seafarers. So it kind of gives me an opportunity to, as you say, yeah, kind of be in the boardroom and have a few choice words to say. <laughs> um, and, and that, you know, I, I think isn't a bad thing. So, so obviously someone sat down with you or you made the decision, the conscious decision, this is an area of knowledge, a gap that I have, and I would like to do some development in that area. So you embarked on quite an extensive course, um, which I imagine at times was life-giving, but at times could have been, in a sense, soul-destroying because of the, the information you were learning, um, which was necessary as part of the qualification. How did, you, how did you survive those hard times when you were going, oh, I've just got to get through this learning. I know it's going to be good for me, but actually, you know, I just don't feel energized by it. So, so did you balance that out by ensuring there was other areas of life that were offsetting that? Oh, look, again, that's a fantastic question, Lance. It was, it was hard yards. Um, and, and it was a challenge for the family. So, um, as you know, we've got some young children. And, I mean, you you have been with me on some of our regional directors' conferences. And, and whilst everyone's gone off to, to have some fun, I've been sort of madly typing, uh, finishing off essays and stuff like that in the wee hours of the morning. <laughs> so, you're right. And, and this is where, um, as, as, as we started, you know, having spiritual director and having supervision, having... Um, uh, uh, good sort of support networks around me for my own mental health, doing some exercise, eating well. I mean, all of those kind of healthy lifestyle things um, still had to be a part of, of my, my daily routine, uh, as it should be, I think, for, for well, certainly they're my needs. Um, and it just meant that it was, it was hard, but the reward at the end has certainly been really worth it. Absolutely. And so, as I mentioned, you've developed some courses in Australia for the Australian scene, but I imagine that they are actually, well, I've engaged with them and I'm not in Australia, they are really quite useful and they are applicable across the board. Do you want to just sort of, um, I'll, I'll put again into the show notes uh, for today's episode, I'll put some links, but do you want to describe the sort of stuff that you've developed in Australia that others listening in around the world might be able to tap into? Absolutely. And just to give some context, uh, in, in Australia, we only meet face to face once every two years for a conference because, you know, that there's 28 centres, Australia is a big island, there's a lot of, <laughs> of travelling, 
Uh, and so this, the, the resources section on our webpage, which is free for anyone to, to go into and use, was just an opportunity to try and close that, that gap where centres and chaplains feel quite isolated. They, they literally could be, you know, six, eight, ten hours away from any other uh, mission seafarer centre um, run solely by volunteers, uh, needing to kind of get a handle on certain issues. So the package that we, we've started to, to implement in Australia is just some little short snippets and, and well, what is the Maritime Labor Convention? What is work health and safety? What is ship visiting? Um, what is the culture of the mission? Like if you're gonna become a new volunteer or, or join the board, what are you getting yourself into? What's our history? So there's these little vignettes of information, which generally speaking only take, you know, an hour, I guess, to see the little video. And, and usually there's a few questions that get asked at the end. Um, but it's just a way in which all of our centres can be on the same page um, and, and learn the same kinds of stuff. And, and, and as things prop up, we can sort of take some of those modules down and put some new ones up and make, make them a little bit more relevant and fresh. Um, but again, it just provides a resource for any centre just to kind of tap into when they're feeling a bit stuck or, um, and it also means that I can direct people to, to that as well. Well, look, if you just go to the resources page, you'll see that there's some stuff there. Start there at least before you can find something else that you might need um, elsewhere out in the community. So we we will put a, a link in uh, on the webpage so that people can um, access those resources, can check them out. Finally, before we sort of wrap up for today, this has been an absolutely amazing conversation. Um, two things. Is there anything else that you think we need to hear that we haven't discussed? And the second thing is, what are you doing now in your own life with regard to current professional development? What are the gaps that you've currently identified for yourself? Because obviously learning is a lifelong process. So you finished your MBA. What are you doing right now? What's the most relevant thing that you're doing? Well, um, I think, as I mentioned before, I've, I've joined that professional body, the Australian Institute of Company Directors, so that, you know, I can maintain my professional development points. Um, so that's important for me because I really want to, now that I've done all that hard work, I don't want to kind of lose it. Um, so, so that's, again, because I, I tend to need structure in my world to help me. And, and if, if I don't have a piece of paper or a timeline that says, you know, you've only done uh, 30 professional development points, you've got, you need 10 more and it's now mid-October, so you've got sort of, you know, 10 weeks to get it done. <laughs> It would never get done for me. So, so that's the kind of stuff that I need to kind of drive me. Um, and I forget what your second question the second, was. The second question was, was there anything else that uh, you think that we needed to hear today? Look, only just to encourage people to take the plunge and to do something that is concrete and, and to be accountable. And I actually think... Um, being able to do things with others helps. Uh, and as I was mentioning before, like, you know, the internet can only take you so far. Like reading and, and doing things in silo is kind of helpful, but doesn't actually challenge you. And, and so having other voices, and perhaps COVID has been a good way for us to get used to these online um, gatherings. So 
it wouldn't be such a bad thing for two or three or four chaplains or managers at our centres to link up and just commit to some area of study. And because, you know, you and I, Lance, might um, have varying opinions of, of the one subject. And so when you share your thoughts and ideas and I share mine and somebody else throws in their experience, all of us are enriched um, and, and we, we move ahead. And that's so much more better and deeper and richer than just me sitting by myself reading reading a document. So so that would be my encouragement. Be strategic and and be collaborative with, with those around. And those around could be anywhere in the world these days, can't it? Absolutely. Um, so that at the, at the end of it, because uh, again, why are we doing all of this? We're doing it for the seafarers. We're doing it so that they get the best service that they possibly can. Um, and, and that's our Christian calling. So I'm very mindful that there's uh, a number of gatherings around the world who are um, listening to one of these podcasts, the As Crow Flies podcast, and then they're meeting by Zoom to discuss it, to have a conversation, to see what it raises for them and, and what they agree with and disagree with, which is what you were saying earlier. And there's a sense which it reminds me of that scripture that says, as, as iron sharpens iron, so one uh, sharpens another. And so that opportunity for us to just bounce ideas off each other is really, really important. Hey, this has been an incredibly valuable uh, conversation. I'm hopeful that it will be uh, helpful to those who listen. In the show notes, I'm also going to put a whole range of um, free um, courses and, and things that are available online. Um, but the reality is, you know, you know, free courses are good. Uh, and, and if that's the, that's all we can afford, then that's, that's fantastic. But where you can get involved into something that's just a little bit more, then that's also a great thing to do. So we would encourage people uh, to explore what's available tap in and grow because that's what we want to do. We want to grow to be the best we can so that we can be the, the best we are able to be for those that we're serving. Thanks for your conversation today. Blessings to you. I continue doing the good work. Thanks, Lance. Take care. Blessings. Bye, everyone. Bye. Well, what a fascinating discussion and what tremendous insights about a subject that impacts us all. Doing all that we can to gain the skills to be able to be the best that we can so that we can deliver the best service to the people we care for the most, the men and women who work as seafarers. And now for some useful resources and then a final thought. Firstly, some resources. The most important one today is the new website, as I mentioned last time, https.com forward slash forward slash as the crow dot weebly dot com or if you're listening on anchor you can just tab the website uh, uh, switch on there and be directed immediately this is a place where you can access every episode of as the crow flies the show notes for each episode and so much more so please check it out on there today you'll find a link to a really interesting clip that explains the johari window that gary talked about also, the link to the MTS Australia website and some instructions how you can access the courses that Gary has made available. And then that range of free online courses that you can tap into, explore and consider. I've also put into the show notes today um, uh, a link to TED Talks, which I believe is a great place just to get some insights into a whole range of subjects. And also uh, a link to the ICMA 2019 conference. 
So the uh, link will take you to the uh, ICMA website where you can access uh, most of the sessions that were recorded live uh, in Taiwan last year. Another great way to uh, get access to things that are relevant and right in the present. And now for a final thought. This week from leadership guru Zig Ziglar, who said, the only thing worse than training employees and losing them is not training them and keeping them. And remember, Proverbs 16.16 says that having wisdom and understanding is better than having silver or gold. Nice and expensive items can be useful and enjoyable, but there are very few things in life that can never be taken away, that will never go out of style, and that truly make you a better person. And an education is one of those. So thank you for joining me off this episode of As the Crow Flies. And as we have considered the importance of professional development, I hope that it has been useful to you. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already so that you'll be able to connect with future episodes. Equally, if this episode has been useful, then consider giving us a review wherever you are listening and share the link with a friend or someone else who works in the maritime sector. So thanks once again for listening and for joining me on the journey. Thanks too for all that you do to make the lives of seafarers better. Join me next time as the crow flies. As the Crow Flies is made possible through the generous support of the Mission to Seafarers. The theme music is called Carefree, and it is royalty-free music which was written and performed by Kevin McLeod and made available through filmmusic.io.